Do you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankpitt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Kia ora, hi there. Thanks for joining me on the Flowerhood podcast. I'm sitting here today and I'm inside my office on the avocado orchard in New Zealand. And it's a grey, rainy day in July. And what I'd love to tell you about today is about my big audacious dream. I had an epiphany in a hotel room in April 2019. That was the start of my dream. So I probably need to take you back a month or two before that date. I was living on the orchard and my beautiful mum was living up the road in a retirement village independently. And my mum is this very sprightly 86-year-old and when I say sprightly, I really mean that um, up until moving into the, the village, she was gardening eight hours a day. She always had a garden. So wherever we moved to in New Zealand, there would always be cuttings and seeds taken from the place before, and, and she would establish these phenomenal, phenomenal gardens. So she's very sprightly. She walks with no aid. She's always kept slim and healthy in her life, and she's on no medication. In fact, the doctor was laughing and saying that my mum was really like the poster child of, of 80-year-olds. But there is one problem. She has dementia. And dementia is a set of symptoms that include memory loss, difficulties in thinking, problem solving. You know, it's a common thing to have in the over 65-year-olds. And frighteningly, it's really on the increase. So I was having a little look at the World Health Organization, and they report that there's currently about 50 million people with dementia in the world. And that's set to triple in the next 30 years. Triple. So dementia is a broad term, and it actually includes quite a few different types of diseases and conditions that affect the brain. So it includes Alzheimer's, vascular dementia, Lewy bodies, and frontotemporal dementia, along with some other slightly more rare ones. Now, the sad thing is that, that some people also have a mixed form of dementia. So they have a combination of two types, like Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. I think it's really important to remember that dementia is not a normal part of aging. It's chronic and there is currently no cure. 
Now, I know if you have someone in your life with a form of dementia, you'll know that it can be expressed in a multitude of ways. (laughs) What your parent or grandparent experiences will be totally different from what mine might experience. I think about, you know, where this started, and I don't know exactly. I don't know around my my mum's own dementia. But in hindsight, I do see that it probably happened many, many years before. What does say happened? It started to started to show just some little tiny inklings. I think what happened is my my dad, who is this incredibly capable person, he really covered it up by being such a strong support and such a capable human being. So it was very sad when my dad passed away in 2015. Then I actually got to experience firsthand what was happening with my mum and and started to see, you know, some behaviours and things that just weren't really right. Now, she wanted to live independently and we absolutely wanted to keep her independence going as long as possible. I think that was really important. So she moved into into this uh, independent living place, which was a retirement village, but not set up with dementia care. As the months went on, or years went on, there were things that started to show up. There were patterns, and some of these things would be paranoia. She also would hear knocking sounds, especially at night time. There was the loss of her cooking skills. It got to the point where she no longer could cook in in the home, and so we then organised for meals to be bought in, or she would go and uh, join in with meals in a communal area. She had been a teacher in her past. But there were words that started to disappear and she was forgetting names. But I've got to give it to my mum. And this always cracks me up. She can still beat me at a game of Scrabble. And to me, that is just phenomenal. Other things that happened was she was unable to retain information, especially new information. So if you explain to her how to use the TV remote control, and it could be as simple as pressing one button, it was almost like she had created this total mental barrier that just fell down, and she was unable to operate the remote. No matter how many times you told her, she was unable to operate it, and also I had like diagrams, I would draw diagrams of things like the remote control and leave them next to it and and then have instructions. But it was still something she was unable to operate. So for somebody who's caring, it can be very frustrating because you can't understand how someone can be capable in some areas of their life and extremely capable and then in other areas they seem to have complete lack of knowledge. So as my mum's dementia progressed, things started to ramp up a bit and and she started to head more towards a middle stage. And this is where you start to get some more dramatic behaviour changes. 
So there were things that she was doing where she did start to walk about uh, to leave her her apartment, and she would be confused. One of the things that she did do was she would ring me in the middle of the night in a panic saying someone was knocking or was that me who called or is that me at the door? And this is like two in the morning and you wake up and you just get this like awful, awful feeling that something is wrong. And, you know, your first response is, well, for me, it was to go to her. You know, she was in distress. I needed to jump out of bed, put my clothes on, jump in the car and get to her. And and I would do that. I would turn up at her door and reassure her that everything was okay and make sure that there was nobody around. And this sort of happened a number of times. It got to the point where it would happen a number of times during the night. And then I found a better way to deal with it. So I've been incredibly fortunate in my life. And I've attended a number of Tony Robbins seminars and personal development. And one of the things that is really key in those seminars is the six human needs. So the first four human needs are our primary needs. Number one, certainty. Number two, uncertainty or variety. Number three, significance. Number four, love and connection. Number five, growth. And number six, contribution. So these first four are the primary needs. And what we find is that everybody has a top two needs, which is the driver for their life. So you have to think about it. You know, it might be significance and certainty. It might be love and connection and variety. These top two drivers, they actually can change throughout your life. So it's not a static thing. And nothing is better than the other. It's just is what it is. So we have multiple ways to meet these needs. And these ways can be positive or negative. So I'll try and give you an example. Something like love and connection, or we can meet the feeling of love through having a pet. We could meet the feeling of love through connecting with our family and spending time there. Or we might not have love and we might be needing the need for connection. And one of the ways that people do that is is through gangs. That is where they meet that need. If you can't get the love, then you get the connection. And it's very strong. We can have ways of meeting variety. They can be good ways. We can travel, we can explore, we can stretch ourselves by taking on new courses, uh, new ideas. Or we could meet variety by having different flavoured foods, getting really into cooking. But we can also meet it by negative things. We might meet it by a need to take drugs in order to get that variety. So coming back to my mum, what I realised is that when I looked at it, her top needs were certainty and love and connection. I'd never really thought about this before, but it made an enormous difference to how I coped. It gave me a peace, a peace of mind. 
when I realised that her top need was certainty, it meant when she rang in the middle of the night, I didn't need to actually physically go and be there. I just needed to understand that she wanted to be reassured that everything was all right. There was someone there. Even though they were down the end of the phone, it was someone was there. They cared about her. And she could reach out and have that connection. So what did I do? I stopped jumping out of bed. And I met her needs. I would talk to her. I would talk her back to bed. The other thing I learned uh, with dementia was that, you know, you really get into a sticky, sticky slope if you start to criticize. When you start saying, don't do this or don't do that, what they hear is the criticism, but not the logic of the words that you might be giving. So they react with frustration, stubbornness, and they also react with internal distress. And then what happens is we feel really bad as what we're doing is we're trying to get something different than what is. So we're fighting with reality. <laughs> what you resist persists. So there is an alternative to this. And what you can do is recognize like what the real ask is. Ask for what you need or create the environment. So in one of this the great ways this would show up is that my mum has quite an obsessive nature to pick things up off the floor all the time. And what I would really want is I would want her to relax and not feel that she has to do this. But rather than criticise it and say, don't do that, which actually creates a form of, of internal distress for her, I would distract her. I would distract the obsessive behavior. And I could do that by saying something like, oh, look, look, let's go and listen to some classical music. And I would take her with me. If you want to feel better in life, judge less. <laughs> As you can imagine, 2018, 19 for me were a lot of nights with disturbed sleep. And I'm sure all parents of young children will understand what that does to you. It can wear you down, especially if you're getting three or four phone calls a night. <laughs> By April 2019, I was coping just, but boy, I really needed a break. I headed off to Cairns, Australia and attended the leadership side of the program of Date with Destiny. Now, I don't know if there's probably a few people out there who don't know Tony Robbins or, or don't know about Date with Destiny. So this is a signature Tony Robbins event. And I really recommend watching the documentary on Netflix, I Am Not Your Guru, which follows Tony Robbins during him hosting one of these events. Gives you a really good view into what happens behind the scenes. So what I went to Date With Destiny for was to learn about human needs psychology. Why do we do what we do? And the belief that life is determined by the meaning we attach to it. Now, if you've been to a TR event, you know that the man is a machine. If you flinch at the price of the seminars, be assured there is no one on earth who gives as much value as he does. He'll start 
at 10am in the morning and you will often still be going till 1am, 2am the next morning. He absolutely wants to give you the most amount of information so that you have the tools to walk away and positively change your life, no matter what crisis, what obstacle comes up in the future for you. He is all about empowering the individual. Now, as my role was a kind of crew-related role, my hours were even longer. (laughs) So I was back in my hotel room and my head hit the pillow. I fell asleep. And I'm not joking. I think I woke up about one hour later and I started writing and writing and writing. It was incredible. I had this epiphany. I saw all the people in my life. I saw how they all connected to each other and how me being here now was a combination of all the things that I had learned. I thought about all my jobs, the wide varied experiences I'd had in all these different industries The organizational skills I'd learned in the hotel industry, the marketing and design skills I'd learned in the UK, starting an online business. I mean, that was all about search engine optimization, databases, Google Analytics. My current life in the orchard, what I was learning there, learning to be in touch with the land, learning about the seasons, how they affect the growth of plants. I was thinking about the people in my life. I was thinking about my dad, his absolute love for mathematics, science, logic. And then there in the center of all this was my mum, this person who had dedicated her life to growing things. She'd studied botany at university. She'd gone on. She'd been involved in all sorts of gardens. And there she had this love of nurturing plants, and she passed that on to us. It was an obsession for her at times, and she had all this knowledge. And the dementia was taking each piece away, one by one, the flowers that she could no longer remember the name for. And I started to think about it. And I started to think, how many other people's fathers, mothers, grandmas, grandpas, friends, loved ones, have we wished that we had captured those stories, the conversations, the wisdom that they held? I filled page after page as I started to write. It was like a tapestry, each thread being woven. I saw the connections with everything that had gone before me. I saw the connections of even my mum's connections of her family and their love of gardening. My uncle Nick, who ran the Queenstown Gardens in New Zealand. My cousins, who loved taking photos of flowers. We all had this interlinked history. And then every gardener that I know, everybody who loves gardens, Forests, meadows, fields, they have a story, a story of how they connect with nature. And I get so passionate about it when I think about it. Wouldn't it be amazing to have these stories told and treasured and kept 
in a way that we could pass them down, not just to our family, but to all families, to all children. And just imagine if we had access to everyone's photos of their gardens. Firstly, it would be like a celebration of that individual artist, because that's what a gardener is. They're They're just an artist who paints with flowers, with trees, with shrubs. Those photos could be the historical markers showing what people planted, the flower du jour, the vegetable gardens, what they were eating. It's changed. It changed from the 1950s. It changed to the 1960s, the 1970s. It's different now what we plant than what we planted a hundred years ago. And how about the information, the skills that can be so easily lost, never passed on to the younger generation? The opportunity that was missed because of these health issues, the loss of memory, or the loss of community, the loss of connection, the loss of connection that we have within our own families. I would love to see that knowledge retained. And I believe that the contribution is fundamental for healthy communities, healthy neighborhoods. It's fundamental for us as human beings. It gives us meaning and the reason to take action. And it's also the place that we can find connection between different generations. It's the knowledge. And that knowledge goes both ways. The younger generation have so much to give us older generation. So here I am, I'm in my hotel room and this idea is forming and I'm writing and writing and writing. It's an online hub. I need to create this online hub, a place to meet, a place to seek knowledge, a place to share knowledge, a place to find inspiration and inspire others. It will be filled with planting guides, calendars, how-to sections, photo galleries, a place to ask questions a place to connect and to offer experience and knowledge, a place to tell your story. And then I see flowerhood heading out into the real neighborhoods, finding ways to bring nature back into lives where it might have been forgotten, bringing gardens into hospitals, prisons, nursing homes, beautifying and planting barren lands. Oh my gosh, and what about regeneration projects? native planting. I mean, I'm so excited. And there's parts of this vision that I can't even tell you about. So this was my epiphany. And I remember watching this fabulous documentary about becoming Warren Buffett. And at the end of it, he's telling a class, you don't want to sleep through life. You want to look for the job you would take if you didn't need a job. The job you would take if you didn't need a job. Oh my gosh, that is what flowerhood is for me. So this is flowerhood. And I'd love to say to you right now, yes, it's all finished. It's perfect. It's a completed project. But it doesn't work that way. I left that date with destiny on a high, with fire in my belly. And it felt like a really long time that I sat 
on this project. I incubated it like an egg. I did make small steps to get ready to put in place things. And it wasn't till a year later that I got an opportunity to start working on it. So my beautiful mum, and don't forget, this is a tribute to her and all the mums and dads who have loved and cherished their gardens. My beautiful mum, where dementia was being cruel, and she moved to that stage where she was no longer safe on her own. And it was a heartbreaking decision, but we needed as a family to find her a secure unit to be in. And I say it's heartbreaking. For us, it was heartbreaking, but, you know, for her, it gave her another lease of life. Because guess what? She has more certainty. She is in a place where she feels safe. She has a routine. She has connection 24 hours a day, as there's always someone there. And for me, I no longer have the multiple phone calls at night, and my head is clearer for it. And I've taken action on flowerhood, and I can enjoy creating a tribute to her, and not just her, to all the parents and grandparents who've loved and cherished their gardens. And I hope you understand why this episode has been taken up with me wanting to share this flowerhood vision, this story, how it all came about. And it was in that hotel room, in that moment of decision, my destiny was shaped. I love it when Bill Gates said, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So give me the grace of a year. The website, flowerhood.com or .co.nz, has started to be built and it's showing up. They're live now, warts and all. It is just the beginning. There is just a little bit of information and it will grow. And here you are listening to a Flowerhood podcast. And I would never have thought of that a year ago. And what an adventure that is. And I know, I know that this is another place where it fits in with my vision. And I can explore the stories that people have. I can interview people. I can find out the science and discuss it and let that information be out there and look for the knowledge. From here, I'll be starting to build each page of the website, and I'm really looking forward to taking you with me on that journey. As I build this new business, as I build the community, as I take it out into the real world, and who knows what's around the corner for everyone living here in COVID-19 times, we know to expect the unexpected. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favorite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop? and smell the roses.